You're listening to the Fix My Feet podcast. Solutions for every step in your journey with the nation's leading foot and ankle specialists. Welcome back, everybody. It's the Fix My Feet podcast. This is uh, Dr. David Waters, Dr. Evan Leonard's foot and ankle surgeons with uh, Platte River Foot and Ankle Surgeons here in uh, Nebraska. So uh, we're going to talk today about bunions. Super common. I think the latest literature says about 40% of the population has a bunion of some levelly level or not. And so it's a very, very common foot deformity. But I wanted to talk about maybe some of the questions we get asked all the time or that I see people Googling from Google research and some real answers about some of these things. So I guess the easiest place to start, Dr. Leonard, is what is a bunion so people kind of know what we're talking about here. Well, contrary to popular belief, it's not just a little bit of extra bone on the inside of the foot. It is a, you know, a deviation of, of some bones and a, a deformity that causes that prominent area of the foot. And so it's, it's generally movement of the metatarsal bone behind the big toe in a direction that then causes some pulls of the tendons in some different directions and, and causes the big toe to deviate a little bit in a certain direction. And so it's a multiple planed deformity that happens progressively. And generally what people notice about it is the prominence on that inside of the foot that tends to rub on things and cause issues. But there, it's quite a bit more complicated than um, you would think based on a lot of you know, popular pop culture and literature references. Yeah, that's great. So that's exactly what it is. And that leads us into kind of what I was going to talk about, what causes it. I, I get asked that all the time. And uh, I will say the literature, genetics is a big part of it. Like if it's in your family line, at least the propensity to develop a bunion is in the family line. You're more likely to end up acquiring a bunion over time. So, you know, what's, what's going on with your family? Do you, do you know people in the family who have bunions? That's a, that's a big factor. Number two, they always say the types of shoes that we wear, it's way more common in populations like the United States, the UK, where we wear, you know, more tight fitting shoes in the front part of the shoe. Those populations tend to have it more than populations where they don't wear shoes at all. So it's more common in those populations. And then like Dr. Leonard said, it's a biomechanical issue after that, you know, as the toe starts to deviate towards the other toes or or what we would say laterally, but as your toe starts going towards the other toes and that metatarsal becomes prominent on the inside part of the foot, the tendons, just like Dr. Leonard talks about, they all start to pull and exaggerate the toe more and more towards the other toes because now the tendons are are in that, what we call that inner space area, or, or they're not over the metatarsal anymore. They're, they're to the side of the metatarsal and they continue to exaggerate. And gradually over time, progressively, like Dr. Leonard's talked about, these deformities get bigger and bigger. So it's not, it's not a static deformity where it, it gets stuck. They gradually, now it's very slowly. So if you're in your thirties now, the small bunion, you're not going to wake up you know, next year with a huge bunion. But by the time you're in your, you're that 70 year old lady who comes to see me, you, you got a wicked bunion deformity usually by then. So oh, yeah. 
so they're gradually progressive, but that's, those are the real causative factors of bunions. And so when we, when we think about treatment options, you know, and we're going to discuss those, those are some of the things that we're after uh, is, is correcting some of those causative factors, uh, the biomechanics, the shoe wear, some things like that. So things to think about as we kind of uh, head long into this uh, discussion on bunions. But any other thoughts from you, Dr. Leonard, on the causes of bunions that I didn't cover? Not particularly. I mean, you mentioned it too. It's It can be associated with other types of deformities as well as, you know, like flat foot patients and things like that. It can be kind of a sequela of some of those issues. And then not necessarily specifically about bunions, but you can have, I see a lot of patients that have, you know, pain to the second toe that they didn't realize was being caused by the bunion. So it can cause other issues along with just it being its own problem. Yeah, that's a great point. And maybe something we should have discussed, uh, I should have talked about. One of the main causes, you know, is what we call hypermobility. And some people say that exists or it doesn't exist. But if you examined enough feet like we have, you realize that some feet are way more lax in their structure than other feet are. And so that's what we're talking about when we talk about something being hypermobile. There's there's just a ton more motion, you know, the ligaments. Some people are more flexible. Some people can bend their thumbs back to their wrist, you know, like you're just more flexible in nature. And that is true in your feet as well, that some people have this, this lots of mobility in between their joints. And those t- patients tend to develop deformities like this, like bunion deformities, just because there's more movement, there's more stretch to the ligaments, you're not holding things statically in place. So so that's definitely something that could be a causative factor in developing some of these acquired deformities as well. Yeah, that's all I had. Good. Um, okay, so next question that I always get, I'm trying to look down my list here. I guess before we jump into some other stuff, if I just have a bunion, but I, I don't want to do surgery, what are some of the things, like legitimate things you can do? Like, you know, there's a lot out on the in the media that gets marketed in pop culture that people get on Amazon and, and Google research. But what are some legitimate things that I can do to uh, deal with the bunion? Definitely wider shoes. Try not to scrunch the toes together quite as much as you probably already have been. If there's an underlying, you know, structural deformity, like we talked about, if you're, you know, really flexible or have more of a flat foot that you've noticed, definitely an insert in the shoes, some sort of an orthotic, some level of support to help hold that foot up in a better position, decrease the stress on those lax joints. Again, there's padding options that you can just try and and protect that area if that's the painful spot, if it's rubbing or causing issues, and just trying to prevent that from from being a prominent port point. I mean, there's, you know, anti-inflammatory medication, all sorts of icing options and, and topical medications and things to try. When we get into the, you know, splints and all sorts of things like that, that's when it gets a little bit more uh, iffy about efficacy and about whether or not that's going to do anything for you long-term because Dr. Waters is right. There's hundreds of those types of products on the market, especially online. And generally people have Googled their condition before they come in. So they've seen those before they come. Yeah. I literally have patients come and bring like sacks full of like goodies that they've, that they've tried when they come in and see me. And I, I always feel so bad that they've spent, they spent a considerable amount of money on these things hoping to get some correction 
I love their bunion. But I think the important thing for me, just like Dr. Lawrence had talked about, if if you're in this space where you don't want to have surgery, you have to realize that the deformity is not going to go away. But there's things we can do, the things that Dr. Lawrence talked about, to help with your pain associated with the deformity. So wider shoes, all those things that were just discussed, those are legitimate options. And the splints are even legitimate options if they help with pain. But what most of my patients are frustrated with is they think that the splint was going to straighten the toe and get rid of the deformity. And that's kind of where my frustration on the marketing side tends to, I think patients get led to believe that those things are correctable that way. Have you had similar types of experience, Dr. Lawrence? Yeah, for sure. I see multiple types of those splints and you generally they feel okay when they're wearing them, but yeah. they're frustrated, like you said, because they don't want to wear it forever and they're yeah. 40 and they don't want to wear it for the next 40 years, just trying to hold the toe off of their shoe or whatever's causing them issues. So yeah, I think they think it's a, a fix more than just a kind of a management. Yeah, agreed. So, okay. So I think, you know, if you're in that category, those are the things you need to be looking out for. That's kind of the mindset you need to have. You need to have appropriate expectations with yourself. And there's nothing wrong with that. We have pads and splints in the office. We treat patients with those things all the time. But but having the appropriate expectations, I think, when you're in that, that's the category that you're in is critical. Okay. I have a bunion, but it doesn't hurt. Non-painful. What should I do with that, Dr. Leonard's? Same stuff we just talked about. Yeah. Just, Absolutely. um get through as long as you can until it becomes a problem for your day-to-day life. I'll get several patients a month that come in trying to get an aesthetically fixed bunion or, you know, I'll kind of ask some questions and see if it's painful or if it's causing them issues. No, just don't like how it looks in the summer in my sandals. And generally I don't, you know, do surgery on, on those patients just for the reason that I aesthetic fixes there. It's not really what it's for. And it's generally not going to be perfect in terms of position or things like that, just because surgery is surgery, things become unpredictable, things are going to change over time, there can be recurrence of bunions depending on procedure, which I'm sure we'll talk about. And so doing it for the wrong reasons generally leads to some uh, patient dissatisfaction for sure. Agreed, 100%. Non-surgical, do all the things we mentioned at the last question find the right kind of shoe that works for you, all that kind of stuff. And if it starts to become painful or developing, you know, pressure areas that could become, you know, threatening, then, then we should entertain a surgical discussion about those things. So good. Okay. We just, you just mentioned this, so I think we'll just jump right into it. But I've had patients told a variety of the things with this question, but is there recur- is recurrence a thing after bunion surgery or if I get this fixed, good, like I'm good. That's the way it's going to be. What, your thoughts about that? Oh yeah, there's recurrence for sure. Yeah. Depends on your age, depends on the procedure you've had done, depends on the severity of the bunion when you had it fixed. I mean, depends on the structural abnormalities along with it and whether you're hypermobile or what you do after surgery, whether you've been in a, like a good orthotic and a good shoe or if you've just kind of run around barefoot. So it, it definitely depends, but there can be reoccurrence. Not to say there is 100% of the time, but yeah. there can be for sure. 
Yeah, and I, I think that's the point to take away. I, I, I think there's really good bunion surgery out there. We do a whole bunch of it every year, but it's also real. You have to have realistic expectations that there definitely can be recurrence. And I, I fix recurred bunions every year as well. So um, they're fix, flip fixable as well, but it definitely, that's the expectation patients should have that there is a level of recurrence that happens and it varies based on all the factors Dr. Leonard's brought up. So just a little side note there, like, you know, I always tell patients like, the best way to avoid recurrence is for fusion of that big toe joint. That's not the right case for everybody, but there are patients where that is the right case for. And, and but that, but aside from that, even well-performed lapidus, well-performed lapoplasty, well-performed distal metatarsals, there's always a chance that there could be some recurrence uh, that, that comes back from those, those procedures. So yeah. good. Since we're talking about, some of the, the complications of recurrence, let's mention what are maybe some of the other complications that patients should think about that could potentially crop, crop up, you know, in with a bunion surgery. What are some common complications that people might run into with those things? I don't know if it's a complication necessarily, but positioning of the toe, I, I just, I think a realistic expectation is important before surgery about where it's going to be, depending on the procedure you've had done. And I think there's a misconception a lot of times that that toe is just going to be arrow straight, you know, and, and that's <laughs> yes. not functional really for yeah. the patient because of how shoes are shaped and how things are. But also because if you correct that too much, depending on the procedure again, you know, other things can happen such as what we call hallux varus where the, the toe then instead of being pointed towards the other toes starts to point, you know, towards the center of your body and goes the opposite way, which is a lot more difficult to find shoes and things for. And then general complications of surgery. I mean, there, there's always a chance that there can be incisional problems that, you know, the joints don't fuse correctly, or like we talked about recurrence need for further surgery with those. And so that's where we get into the reasons for surgery, right? With, with pain and with issues with daily living and discomfort, because those complications are a little bit more manageable when you've gone under gone for the surgery for the right reasons. Yeah. Well said. I will say the complications with bunion surgery usually are pretty small. I mean, it's a very small percentage, but these things do happen and you do have to manage them as part of the recovery from bunion surgery. And so you need to be aware of them. If you're thinking about, you know, this is painful. I want to get it managed. I want to get it taken care of appropriately we definitely want to bring shed light to the surgery part and make sure patients are fully aware of maybe some of the things that they might run into during the recovery period. I think the other thing that I want to talk to is about surgery that I get asked, you know, usually the thing, you know, we, somebody says I want a bunion surgery. The next question out of their mouth is what's my recovery going to be like? And so I would say generally, and Dr. Leonard's can add anything to this on the other side, but for most bunion surgeries now, now there are some that are not, you can walk on them almost immediately in a walking boot, which is, and that's a huge, you know, high five to our partners in industry who have made better fixation constructs, better plates and screws. 
things like that, that are more stable, that can handle more of the forces, better walking boots, all those things have helped and allowed us to get patients moving and walking faster. So generally most bunion procedures, now there are some, when we start talking about lapidus fusions, which are fusions of the first TMT joint or other procedures where there may be a shortened non-weight bearing period. So a few weeks where we keep you off of your foot before we put you back in the walking boot. And the other thing I want to say to patients is it's going to vary from surgeon to surgeon. The post-operative course is wildly different, I found, in surgeon to surgeon. But we're just talking in general parameters. Generally speaking, most stuff you'll be able to walk in a boot pretty quickly after surgery. You'll be in a boot for probably a minimum six weeks-ish because in all these procedures, we have bone healing. So bone has to heal to bone. That takes about six to eight weeks for it to happen. So generally speaking, a walking boot for around six weeks and then kind of gradually progressing back into like a tennis shoe and back to normal activity. If the procedure is more advanced or if something else is done besides the bunion, then you might be into a more stricter protocol where you're non-weight bearing for a, a period of time. Then you get into the boot. Then you get into recovery. But that's kind of that initial recovery period. Anything to add to that as far as initial recovery, Dr. Leonard's? I don't think so other than just, you know, when you're in the boot, I mean, yeah, you can put weight on it. But a lot of times, you know, I tend to phrase it with patients, the less you're on it, the better it's going to do. And so it's still an important time to have that normal post-operative mindset, keeping it elevated, ice, those kinds of things. The boot is there to, to make your life easier, make sure, you know, you can take it off when you're relaxing so you don't have any issues with, you know, a painful cast or splint and then, you know, using it to get to the bathroom if you need to go get groceries or do things like that. But there's still recovery to be done. There's generally incisions that have been made and there's going to be some discomfort as you walk, even protected in the boot because there's just, you know, recovery and healing that has to happen. So, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing update. I've had people, you know, older patients I've talked to who have revised or even just saw their bunion surgery on x-ray and they're like, yeah, I was only off of it for about two months and then it healed up great. And it's crazy what it, what it used to be even for a small procedure like that. Yeah. Yeah, they used to bring them in the hospital a long time ago, the night before. And so it's it's come a long ways for sure mm-hmm. uh, with that stuff. Uh, so so that's really, really good and, and really good for patients where it's gone as well for these kinds of procedures. As far as, you know, complete recovery, jump into that. Just, you know, we, we talked kind of about the initial phase, but, you know, at six weeks, not all your swelling is going to be done, not all the healing. You're still going to have nerve stuff, little shooters, tingly, burning, all that stuff's going to be there still. And I always tell patients, you know, it, it takes just in complete transparency a good, you know, six months or so to all the swelling start coming down, really starting to feel pre-surgical levels and reduce pain and those things like that. We're talking about all the little, little tiny details start working their way out several months down the road. And so I, I try to communicate that to patients just to give them a proper expectation. You're back to work. You're back to your sports activities. You're back to all of that, you know, eight, 10, 12 weeks after surgery, but all those little things are still working their way out for a few months after surgery. 
Do you find that to be true as well, Dr. Lawrence? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. And even from our standpoint, a lot of those procedures, you know, the bone healing and things from them, depending on the procedure type can take months as well for us to see what we want to see on x-rays. So it's a longer process than people think, but we'd like, we talked about, I mean, it's, it's incremental improvement, you know, initially. And, and then it's just small details like Dr. Waters mentioned with the swelling or just getting more used to walking on the foot. I feel like that's a common one where people have an issue trying to put that foot fully on the ground because they're afraid they're going to damage something or break something or cause a problem with the surgery, which I appreciate their apprehension, but generally we can get them going and, and get all those stuff ironed out, um, you know, four or five, six months down the road. I do. I I did want this is from a comment I haven't made earlier that reminded me of a story. You know, those first few days you do want to go home and take it easy because sometimes I do a bunion and then I go to Walmart later that day and the person I did the bunions on is walking around Walmart with the boot. So, yep. so, uh, at least they have the boot on. You definitely, I, I definitely know I'm going to get a call about a blood soaked drain it and bandage later, later that night. Because yep. you do want to go home, let those incisions heal up and, and take it easy for uh, for a few days at least to let everything kind of settle down before we start really get going on this thing, even with the boot in place. So I think we've uh, – oh, last question I think I had here, last couple is, you know, I think patients wonder, you know, who needs, who should I see about bunions? Who should I see about getting a bunion surgery done? Like I think patients in general are somewhat confused about, you know, is that something my primary care doctor can take care of? Is that a foot and ankle surgeon? And like, what is the, what your recommendation to uh, somebody who's thinking about having a consult or getting an opinion about surgery for their bunion? Who should uh, do that? Dr. Lawrence? Yeah, for sure. See a foot and ankle surgeon. I mean, sometimes they'll bring it up to their primary care and then they'll get referred over just because they had a question about it, hadn't really thought about it before and said, hey, what is this? Can I have it fixed or is there anything I can do? But yeah, I mean, a foot and ankle surgeon, podiatrist, orthopedic, uh, foot and ankle trained surgeon, anybody you feel comfortable with, but generally need a a surgeon of some kind and a specialist in order to make that decision on what surgery is best for you. Yeah, and I think the one thing patients probably don't understand from their perspective, there's probably in the literature, I bet, over 100 procedures written up about how to correct bunions. Oh, yeah. I don't know the exact number, but it's a lot. It's too many. Yeah, and so you definitely want somebody who understands the complexity of the deformity um, and uh, knows the best way to address that for you. Because just because we dress it with one procedure for a certain patient, that doesn't mean that's the best thing in your case. And so having a few tools in the tool bag are, are essential based on what, you know, what the patient presents like to get the best outcome. So definitely agree with Dr. Leonard's foot and ankle surgeons are the ones, you know, you want to see and, and have that discussion with and make sure that, you know, board certified, well-trained foot and ankle surgeons should be able to address these deformities for you for sure. So last thing I think on here, I think we've covered everything else that I have on here is, 
your, uh, I guess, just departing thoughts, your final thoughts you have, Dr. Leonard's, about bunions or something maybe I didn't cover or didn't have on our on our list here today that commonly get asked about or talked about with, in regards to bunions? Well, I was going to say was, and you just mentioned it right at the end there, is, you know, procedure will vary from patient to patient. So just because your friend had one thing done or you saw an ad online for one other type of procedure doesn't mean that's best for you. We kind of look at the whole you know, patient, you know, how your biomechanics are, what your flexibility level is, if you have any arthritis anywhere, all those things have to be evaluated before we choose the the procedure. So it's important when you go in, just have a good discussion with your provider and make sure that they present options to you and, and, you know, explain them in a way that you understand because they should be able to do that if they can do it appropriately. Yeah. Agreed. The other thing, takeaway I have for patients who are curious about this you know, if it's painful, it's better to get it fixed when it's smaller than when it's a really large deformity. As the deformity gets bigger and bigger, the amount of surgery or the complexity of the surgery increases exponentially. And so, you know, if you have a small deformity and you have pain and you have some limitation, I think that's the best time to get it evaluated. There's a lot of new minimally invasive techniques that we that we use in our practice for a lot of those kind of deformities that, that are the recovery is much smoother, I think, and patients are much happier. They'll tend to get their other foot fixed in, in short order after some of those. Whereas these lo- really large bunions that come in that have been there for years and years and the joints practically dislocated, that's, that's a much longer process mm-hmm. that we're going to have to deal with. And so that's usually my, the other thing I try to mention to patients when we talk about bunions, uh, if it's not painful, don't, we don't even talk about surgery with them. We do all the fun things we talked about the very first of the podcast, but if you've got a painful bunion, I think that uh, the earlier you try to address that, the better chance for a good outcome with the surgery. Agreed. I think that's it. Let's try to answer our most common real questions and maybe some of the things people don't hear about with bunions today. But uh, if you have any additional questions, drop them in the comments. But for uh, Dr. Leonard and Dr. Waters, this is the Fix My Feet podcast. Check us out on our social media, YouTube. The podcast gets uploaded there. Like and follow, comment, give us good ratings on all of our uh, outlets for the podcast. And then also check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, all our other social TikTok social media outlets, Fix My Feet podcast, and as well as Platte River Foot and Ankle Surgeons. Thanks, everybody. Have a wonderful day. Thanks. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Fix My Feet podcast. To schedule an appointment with one of our providers, visit www.prfootandankle.com.